welcome to the Downstream Column podcast, a guide for navigating the single-use technology supply chain. I'm Brandi Sargent, editor of the Downstream Column. Today, I'm very excited to have a panel of experts with us to discuss supply chain issues. And I'd like to let each of our panel members introduce themselves now. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Yes, so my name is Derek Allig. I am the Western Regional Sales Manager for the U.S. and Canada for PSG Dover. And I handle biotech products, which include Quattroflow, Mtech, Quantex, and now also uh, Malima. My name is Chris Cooper. I'm president of Liquidine Press Technologies. We are a distributor and integrator of single-use systems throughout the U.S. Hi, my name is Phil Sanders. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer and the Chief Innovation Officer for Agilitech. Thank you all for joining me today. I wanted to start today's podcast by asking each panel member if they could identify challenges that their customers are currently having with sourcing single-use consumables and technologies. Great question, Randy. The um, biggest challenge that we see is honestly the availability of raw materials to create these products. If we talk about polymer-based components, tubing or even chambers, for example, We've seen lead times from our suppliers extended because of this raw material. We've also seen it in other areas such as chips. As a result of actually seeing is customers have resorted to purchasing larger quantities of this product ahead of time, right? Kind of that effect that we've seen on the market when you don't see this material readily available, people are starting to purchase these large quantities. And so longer lead times, you know, have created those opportunities, for example, other smaller businesses who have stock of these for similar products. And it opened up other doors for distributors like Liquidine, who have multiple sources to provide this product. From a distribution perspective and an integrator perspective, many of our primary suppliers have had issues. What we have seen is that many of these manufacturers have not only been able to ramp up their production, uh, and these are plans that were put in place in probably 2019, 2020. It takes one to three years, depending upon the complexity and the scope of work with which to create additional manufacturing facilities, production lines, things of that nature. Not only has that taken place, but many manufacturers are using alternate materials While they may have qualified one product, now they have gone back in 2021 and certainly in 2022 and qualified additional supply chain on their side for them to manufacture a product. They all not only have their primary supply chain now of raw materials, but they've gone to secondary and tertiary. So I think that's what needs to occur. And in our business, we've done the same things. We have primary, secondary, and tertiary suppliers for a variety of components, and we have to based upon market demand. I think that impacts all aspects of this business in the single-use side. Yeah, I think Chris makes a really great point because it's really not one specific thing. When I hear Derek talk about supply chain for raw materials, as a product and equipment provider, our issues are really more around the, the devices themselves. So kind of like what Chris said, maybe it's different tubing. Maybe it's a different sensor. How do we bring kind of agnostic approach to that so that we're able to get around some of the issues that we might have with vendors who are maybe 30 weeks out with certain sensors, or we might have uh, other companies that maybe are having chip issues. And that's really becoming something that's really common right now. 
when you think about chip manufacturers, that goes into virtually everything. We can be using single-use sensors, but transmitters themselves have those chips in them or control systems have those chips in them. So for us as a, an equipment provider, really having that agnostic approach is for us the key to success. How do we work around some of these issues that both Derek and Chris have talked about? And I think it's interesting, you know, one observation I would make here is that the issues that we're talking about, sometimes all this gets lumped in from an end user to say, yeah, it's all the single use. When really there are companies out there that are doing reusable equipment that have some of the same supply chain issues that we have, especially when it comes to these things like chips and control systems. At Agilitech, we try to do everything that we can to work around the supply chain issues to be able to meet the demands and timeframes of our customers. Along those lines, I wanted to see if you could let us know how your individual companies are approaching these challenges, specifically how you're working with customers to provide solutions for these challenges. Yeah, Randy, at PSG Dover, we're committed and we strive to provide quality products to our customers in the biotech market. We would definitely focus on delivery times as you know one of the key components because, again, it could back up the effects of our distributors that Liquidine or the, our OEM, for example, at Agilitech. In the beginning, what we ended up doing was providing or adding more shifts to keep up with the demand. But uh, recently, in, in late 2021, we added our second validated clean room. And that has given us additional capacities in the production side of the things. In addition to that, we've also, again, acquired some other companies, right? Amtech, Quantex, and Malima, and that also will help with uh, providing additional capacity. So the goal here is to be able to help from a total perspective, provide customers with different avenues and increasing our capacities will help them in the end. And of course, Liquidine and Agilitech as well. Thanks, Dirk. We appreciate PSG making those investments. And we have seen improvements. This situation, what I'll call a situation, certainly could have been far worse not only for Liquidine as an integrator, which impacts the market, but quite honestly, I think many, many manufacturers have stepped up. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of people already had plans for additional production lines. This just escalated those plans to a higher level within the organization and also uh, shortened the timeline with which component of manufacturing had to be increased. From our perspective, we've always sought out to primary supply chain for virtually every component that we do. Now we, we have at minimum three, and we have to. It's just the nature of the beast. And it's really important that we let our customers know, hey, this is what we have. And we need you to sign off on all three of these components if that's what you wish to do, because we might have to use them interchangeably. I think that's one form of relief that we can bring to the market is having multiple sources. And that affects things, for example, like I said, the tubing, the flexible tubing, the fittings, the aseptic and non-aseptic connectors that are all used, all the little inline instrumentation that is used, flow, pressure, otherwise, UV, etc. So all those things are impacted. And in our line of work, we just have to be proactive and reach out and develop those relationships to ensure that we can maintain an inventory. That's one thing that we have to do with our clients to be able to assure them that, hey, you will be able to receive a product in a designated amount of time. I think that impacts all of us. Yeah, I think Chris really kind of nails it there. It's about that flexibility. It's about being able to understand what's happening in the market and trying to shift to be able to support our customers. 
our approach is to be as agnostic as possible so that we're not tied to any single supply chain. But we do have preferences. We like to work with Liquidine and PSG Dover, and we communicate in that relationship what we're seeing in the market to be able to help each other. And I also think that flexibility is requiring us to think about what needs to be sitting on the shelf. So when customers are coming to us, uh, maybe we don't have the entire amount of inventory that we, we need, maybe for some single-use assemblies, but maybe we have enough for us to get started while we place orders for the rest of it. So instead of trying to give somebody a year's worth of tubing assemblies, maybe we give them enough to get them through for three months, and then maybe enough for another three and, until we can get all of the orders received to be able to build out those assemblies. I think that's what I hear from our team here is that it's really about the flexibility and trying to figure out how we can support our customers because that's really our focus. Our focus is their success. And we know that they have a lot of pain in the market. They, a lot of the big players, you know, they have a single supply chain and it, it is what it is. And for us, um, that's a niche for us to be able to find footholds in the market, to be able to meet those timeframes to be able to meet the demands that the customers are having because we can be flexible. People need to understand that. That is the way the world is right now. Uh, in a couple of years down the road, let's hope that this is all resolved, but there'll be new technologies that'll come on. Currently, it's COVID pandemic, but there'll be other challenges that we face as manufacturers, integrators, and suppliers of the overall single-use system the hardware side of it and the single-use side of it, there will be new challenges. The cell gene therapy space, right? For example, that's blossoming. We all realize it. We all see it. And it's going to consume product as well. So as much as COVID goes away, if we don't start planning for these things and don't communicate with our customers early and often about the challenges that are occurring, then I think in the long run, there'll be heartache and failures. And that's not appropriate in business. It shouldn't be. Chris, you speak about challenges and Phil, you know, speaking about solutions from a manufacturer's perspective from PSG Dover, we try to, to help in this case because of what we have seen happening in the market. And what we really want to do and to be able to provide is honestly options, right? Solutions at this point, because we know that not one answer is going to get you what you need now. So the question becomes is what options can we provide you to help make that decision provide that solution for the customer in the end, given what they need. I would add to that, that communication is so important to have with the customer, not just me as a, as a product provider, but the entire team of how that supply chain gets provided to the customer. We had an interesting conversation with the customer recently that said, well, I would like to be able to take your design to another supplier so that I can have some redundancy. You know, and my point was, they're going to have the same constraints that we're going to have. So, you know, what redundancy do you think you're going to be able to provide? If we can work together, then we can provide inventory that we can set aside for you to make sure that you never come across these issues in the future. So working with our customers to provide additional solutions, I think, or different ways of approaching some of the supply chain constraints, I think, is also important in bringing to bear the people like Derek and Chris into that conversation to help them understand how together we'll be able to provide them with the solutions they're looking for. Very true. Thank you for sharing those examples. I think that's really helpful. I wanted to ask each of you if you could explain what you think the future looks like for the supply chain over the next three to five years. How does this resolve itself or does it? 
Does it shift to another potential supply chain shortage? Uh, what do you think the future is for us with the supply chain? Looking into the future, I think first we need to kind of look at what previously or the past has had um, in, in, let's say, supply chain and how the mind of our customers have approached projects or things of this nature. And previously, our customers had time, right? They had time to design, to do things correctly, I would say, in a sense. And maybe they also thought that one source of supply was, was adequate, but have gone through what we've gone through, you know, in the past few years, it certainly has now, let's say, given them an extra thought to include. So how do I plan for my supply chain now going forward, right? So it's, a, it's something that has been pushed up in the thought process. So critical production schedules, sourcing of material right now are, are being included. And so now they're saying, hey, we want multiple supply right? Multiple supply chain solutions in a sense. From a manufacturer's perspective, it also has kind of led to us saying the same thing. Where do we get our raw material? What Do we have multiple sources of uh, for machine parts or as Phil has mentioned, and as well as Chris, electrical components, right? Chips. So for the same reasons that customers are resorting to multiple supply chains, manufacturers are doing the same thing. And, and I feel that that's technically, you know, the path forward. It's kind of the solution that come to. And I'm sure, you know, from a distributor's perspective, and as we've mentioned, right, uh, at Liquidine, and also from uh, Agilitech's perspective, they probably are doing the same. I think companies that are successful take the time to study what has occurred, uh, how they reacted, what could have been done differently, potentially better, uh, what missteps should be avoided, etc. I think about the next three to five years. And I look at this and I come to the realization that those steps of planning are so important for laying out the business plan to say, what do we do differently in the next three to five years? In the case of, say, Derek and PSG Dover as a whole, they probably look at this and say, we need to look at our manufacturing centers. How can we improve throughput? How can we potentially change the facility or expand the facility or build a new facility? Things of that nature, right? Those all come into play. And I think what we've learned is that we have to be able to react quickly to the market. Because if there's one thing that we learned out of all of this is that science had the ability to react quickly to this pandemic. And they moved something along in such a incredible short timeline never been done before, right? They took things that historically take several years, many years to accomplish and did it in the matter of months. That's our new world. And so I think what we all have to do just as humans is make sure we're planning out in advance what our realities look like, You know, whether it be manufacturing, assembly work, integrating, pulling all together, building systems, etc., that's what's changed is that your forecast has to be that much farther out. You need to communicate with people and tell them what you need in one to two years instead of in three to nine months. In our case, we look at this and say planning is critical, especially material planning and production planning, just to stage that out that much farther in advance. And that requires communications with the other two folks on this call, right? So when we communicate with Derek, we have to let PSG know, hey, 
these are our forecasts. This is what we're looking at for the next one to two years. And the same with Phil and Agilitech. We need to communicate to him. This is where we see the market going. These are the challenges that we have. This is something that we need to, as a group, communicate to the customers and to those single-use users as a whole entity. I totally agree with what Chris is saying. I think when I think about what PSG Dover is doing, they're doing what most manufacturers are doing. They're beating up or building out to be able to meet the demands of what's out there right now. And even with like what Chris is saying, I think we're all looking at inventory now. What does inventory look like? It's totally different today than it was a year ago. What components do we want to keep on the shelf? What ones don't we want to? We would have never guessed a year ago that PLC components or DCS components would have been an issue getting equipment out or, or for drives or whatever it might be. I think your question was around the three to five years. I think manufacturers are going to work this out. They don't want to turn down work. No one wants to tell a customer, no, I can't provide anything for you. Everyone wants to be able to sell their widget or component to a customer. So all of us do everything we can to try to make sure we can support that. I think our biggest issues are what we don't know today. What geopolitical event is going to happen that could cause sanctions on a country where we're getting components? And then having to shift those things. What act of God, maybe, whether it's a tsunami or an earthquake or, or whatever happens, all of those things that we just don't know about, that's what keeps us up at night. We can start figuring out now that we know that these are the issues that are coming, that, well, maybe I maintain a, a specific inventory on these components and maybe Chris keeps some of them, Derek keeps some of them, I keep some of them, so that we're you know working together to provide solutions. I think over the next three to five years, the things that we're talking about today are going to be a thing of the past. We're going to be talking about something else that comes up in the future. Look, I mean, nickel, right? The nickel market's gone crazy. How does that impact us? Well, that impacts actually all three of our companies in a very big way, right? Because it's it's a constituent of stainless. So all of a sudden, price points become, this is the price today. We honor that price for 24 hours. And that's that. So it's non-negotiable. And that's where this, you know, as I feel, planning really comes into play of how do we, as three companies, look at risk and try and share that risk to create a better overall customer experience, right? Because I think at the end of the day, all three of us are exactly tied to creating a profoundly better customer experience than they might be able to achieve elsewhere. We have to work together in order to make that a reality. And we have to make sure that we communicate individually and together as a team with the client base that exists and with the client base that, that we don't even know about yet. This is why I feel it's so important that we need to educate our customers to ask the right questions, right? If you're my only supplier, what are your guarantees that I'm not going to have supply chain issues? Right. So I may turn into PSG Dover or Liquidine and go, Hey, let's discuss what are the issues that we're seeing today? How are we going to guarantee that for the customer? Really helping those customers understand how to ask the right questions when you're going through this process is really, really important. And I think sometimes the customers don't always know why the supply chain issues are where they are. And so I'm, you know, I'm going to roll back to that education that we need to do. And if they're not asking the questions, we should be bringing those questions up and we should be answering them for them when we're having these discussions with them, which is when we would want to bring in the manufacturer like, like PSG Dover and the integrator like Chris to help the customer feel that they're not at risk. Phil, to your point of educating the customer of 
what things do they need to be asking their supply chain. It's just critical that the customer become more involved. Before it used to be, I want to buy that lollipop and I want a purple lollipop. Now they need to think about, I want to buy that purple lollipop, but I want to know what dyes are used. I want to know what little stick it's put on. I want to know what kind of wrapper I'm getting with it. And those are the details in this single-use arena that need to be openly discussed. There needs to be transparency on the issues that the marketplace is experiencing. It's not just all those single-use items that we as an integrator, Liquidine, faces, but how about all those items that PSG faces and that Agilitech faces, all the hardware that comes into play? All those are real issues that people may not be thinking about. It's clear that communication is really important. And I know that the goal of the podcast is to give listeners a guide to navigating the supply chain issues. Uh, To that point, as you mentioned, Phil, customers should be asking very specific questions of their suppliers. I'm wondering if we can go around and talk about what are some of the things that you would recommend that customers asked that relate to supply chain. And this would not only be for purchasing and production, but also for scientists. What kinds of questions would you recommend customers be asking around supply chain? From our perspective, from PSG Dover's perspective, in fact, I just went through this this morning with the customer, having that conversation communication up front. Some of the biggest things that we want to know and we should ask our customers is really what their timeline is, right, of their project and trying to match it up with what we can deliver. I think it's, you know, we, we can provide all the different options to be able to, to provide them the best solution as possible, but also for them to be aware of what's available and what's realistic, right? Especially given all the different things that are going on. So I think that as part of a guideline in starting of these conversations for their projects or they're doing, it's really to understand entire scope and, and, and that timeline, right? Well, what is that critical path in that step? I would agree 100%, Derek. It's super important to have those dialogues, uh, customer-facing dialogues, as well as even internal team dialogues, right? So when I think of what are the questions that customers who are looking to increase their supply chain or new to the procurement of single-use items potentially, what should they be looking and asking of their suppliers, right? I think they need to dig into, hey, These are the items that we've chosen. This is a single-use line set. This is what it looks like. This is the hardware that goes with it. This is the pump technology. If you think of certain core technologies that are going to go with something, some piece of equipment that Agilitech might build, you know that pump technology is going to be a key component, right? And everybody needs to understand what are the risk items. So certain items have higher risk than others. And I think it's very important to help the customer rank items one, two, three in terms of risk and look at the higher risk items. They might be risk because they have volatile lead times, like Phil had just mentioned. Hey, we thought we were going to get it in a week and now we got a phone call or an email that it's going to be three more months. That is occurring. That is unfortunately a fact of life. But let's look at risk and say, let's assign some metrics to all these components, whether it be hardware related on a skid or components that are utilized in the single-use line set itself. 
and even other things, support. Like, do we have field support? Do we have online support? How do we evaluate all those items and assign some risk to them such that then the customer says, okay, these are the riskiest items because of volatility in the marketplace in terms of getting the product or volatility in terms of looking at price. We're seeing price adjustments 30 days notice. And it's not only for future orders, it's for orders that haven't shipped. So if you placed an order in December of 2021, and here we are in June of 2022, and you're expecting that order to arrive in August, you're going to get hit with that new price increase regardless, because the raw materials that were used to build it have all escalated in price. And this is what's being passed down the supply chain. I think it's very important to look at this and quantify that risk with the customer base and have the customers understand, let's address those riskiest items, the high-risk items, and make sure that we have secured that product so that we don't face a challenge in a couple of years or in a year or two, whatever the case might be. Yeah, I agree. I think customers need to understand that assemblies are really what they are, right? They're, They're different components. So you can't look at an entire assembly and saying that that whole thing is the risk, right? It's the different components and understanding that sensors or pump heads or connectors or any of these things can be a supply chain issue. And having that discussion with the team is really important to understand, okay, what happens if that particular widget becomes an issue? What's your plan B? Do you have inventory on the shelf for a year or... Do you have other options that you might be able to use? We recently had a customer that uh, we we went in with a specific design to be able to maintain their TMP control. And we liked the unit we had because we have better control. But their issue was we're not 100% sure that, that we can maintain that supply chain for that specific issue. Are there other ways? And so we talked about being able to build the, the unit that could have interchangeable parts. So if that particular one wasn't available, there are others on the market that don't necessarily have a single-use component to it. And so being able to be adaptable and flexible in those ways and having those conversations is so important. And this was a very sophisticated customer. So he was actually asking specific questions about specific components in the assembly. And we don't see that with every customer. And I think that's where we would be remiss if we did not help our customers understand that. And that's kind of that education we're talking about and really kind of drive them to those questions of each of those separate components. When you apply that risk, What's the mitigation process for that risk for one year or two years down the road? In total agreement with what he's saying there. Phil, have your customers gotten to the point where they say, this is the product I want, and these are the two other products that I would consider if this becomes unavailable or the risk becomes too high, volatility, all those things that we've already talked about, right? Have they gotten to the point where they understand that and they understand the nuances of that? For example, it might have a different output between one sensor brand and another sensor brand. And then you have to make some modifications in order to accept that output and then do the appropriate control function. Great question. We have had some that are very sophisticated when it comes to that. It's interesting how Brandy asked that question at the beginning. It's kind of been rolling in my mind about procurement versus the scientists. And it's interesting, the different conversations you have. The scientists are looking for the solution. So they're looking for an output. 
the procurement people are really worried about the supply chain and how they're going to maintain those components. And sometimes you have different teams in the discussions, even automation. Multiple times we've had these discussions and we're already down the road to the point of we're ready to sign on the dotted line. And one of the automation guys shows up and he has questions which end up talking about how are we going to get these components when we've got chip issues. So I think that's really important what you're saying there is having all of the the team members together in these discussions so that everyone is, is well aware of that. To answer your question, yes, we have had many of our customers get into that because many times they want the flexibility of being able to take a tubing set from three-quarter inch or half inch to one inch. And how are we going to do that? And how are we going to be able to change, say, an ultrasonic flow sensor or a pump head or any of those kinds of things? But I would say it's not the norm. It's something that, depending upon the level of the customer and their understanding of what we're doing, But it is something that I think we as a vendor really need to help our customers understand and educate them on a lot of those details you're talking about. Randy, you'd mentioned scientists and procurement. And this is something that I think we all have come across, and it's become increasingly important, is when you're in those discovery meetings, when you're in meetings to help move a project along, historically, you might speak with one or two people individually or together as a team. And I think the world has to change because the expectation is to get to the goal line faster. And in order for that to happen, you need more depth on the bench. You need more people involved in the team. And I think when we communicate with customers, I think it's very important that customers understand what we're trying to do, which is we're trying to get them what they want in the timeline that they want, right? And it's usually a short timeline. Nobody ever comes to us and says, we have a year and a half to get this done. So in order to facilitate that, these meetings, to the blessing of teams or otherwise, need to involve not only the scientists, but ideally project managers on the line. You need to have people from automation on the line. You need to have quality and documentation folks involved so that all the expectations can be addressed and met instead of doing this on a piecemeal approach, which slows the process. You need to combine all those groups, those various teams within an organization. And we get it. It takes a lot of effort in order to make that happen. But I truly think that is something that customers can do to enable themselves to realize whatever their goals are that much more expediently. Because if you have that same dialogue five times over, you're not increasing your efficiency at all. And things get miscommunicated or have the opportunity to be miscommunicated. We've all seen that happen. And I think it's very important to say, hey, this is something that customers, manufacturers, integrators, providers all need to do. Teamwork makes the dream work. I think that saying holds true. And we need all those types of folks involved. Chris, that's such a very true statement. And I think that's where where PSG Dover has gone and is continuing to go, right, is to expand that bench, right? Not only do we have Quattroflow from a one-pump perspective, but now, for example, we have Quantex to be able to help with lower flow applications. In acquiring MTech, we had one flow sensor to be able to produce and do a certain thing. And now we have a Maliba. We are, in that particular sense, providing, trying to help provide 
that expanded product range to our customers and also to you as the integrator distributor and also to Phil, right, at Agilitech. I think you speak very well about not only does the customer need the right people to come to the table to help look at all these different components and what solutions they want, but also we as a supplier, you know, manufacturer need to also help provide those different solutions. This has been such a great discussion, and I know our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing about your perspectives on supply chain and the advice that you've given today. I'd just like to close by offering another opportunity to provide some information for our listeners. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we say goodbye today? Brandy, thank you so much for your time. From my perspective, I think this conversation, basically building up a guideline of content for our customers or our listeners in the end will help them come to a solution for their projects or future projects, along with dealing with people like Phil and Chris from a distributor supplier integrator perspective. But no, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Brandy, for pulling this together and pulling together Derek from PSG and Phil from Agilitech. Much appreciated. It's the thought process that the customer needs to go through, right? To make sure that they have all the right teammates involved and understand how they can better their opportunity. And in their case, their opportunity means getting the right product at the right price at the right time, right? So there's three variables there and they want to have all three of those variables be met. It's very important to just communicate, reach out, and just keep those lines of communication open as things change. I agree. Thank you, Brandy, for pulling this together. And it's been a pleasure being part of this with Chris and Derek. I think this team kind of brings that aspect all the way from where the manufacturer is all the way to what the end user is getting. And I think that's the one thing that you'll hear us talk a lot about. It's really around customer success. That's what we're interested in. We want to be able to provide what they need when they need it. And we're learning like everyone else, but we're trying extremely hard to work around these supply chain issues to be able to meet the customer demand. Our job, I think, is like we've talked about, to communicate better and to educate better. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To listen to other podcasts related to the discovery, development, and manufacture of biologics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com. And for downstream process topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.